0: Hello, everyone.
1: My name is Caleb. And I'm Ben, and you are listening to Tribal Talk, a survivor podcast. Survivor fans, and welcome to another episode of Tribal Talk. Caleb and I are actually honored to be joined today by Peridium. Um, If you haven't heard of Peridium before, he hosts a YouTube channel with several awesome videos um, with in depth analysis, highlights, and even full season reviews of Survivor, The Amazing Race, and Big Brother. If you haven't heard of him, um, Caleb and I both find his content is both well reasoned and extremely fun to watch. One of the videos I actually watched recently details the five best seasons for new Survivor fans to watch starting out, and I must say I wholeheartedly agree with his list. Uh, Peridium, we are so glad to have you with us. Thank you guys so much for having me on uh, Travel Talk. This
2: is the finale of EOE.
1: Oh, yeah, and a finale it was. My goodness, so entertaining. Um, we are new to this three person format for podcasts. So, so bear with us here. Um, I want to start out, uh, this episode, you know, we saw Chris narrowly beat Joe in the return challenge and which, which was epic, um, felt like the challenge had a good number of, uh, a good mixture of physical balance and dexterity kind of strategy too. Um, with the ball maze there at the end. In my opinion, one of the better challenges this season, Definitely. and I was not—I was not overly surprised by many of the performances, except for Chris. I noticed at the very beginning he threw himself through the ropes challenge and and played with kind of a reckless abandon. Um, and I know everybody was trying hard, but it, it seemed like Chris was just on another level. Um, and ultimately, as we know, Chris won the challenge. And what I found to be (laughs) kind of one of the funnier moments of the episode, and there were several brought to you by Devin's, was actually during the first part of the challenge. So Devin's is watching a challenge take place from a standing position and and you have to know he needs an ally at this point right he needs whoever comes back from the edge of extinction he needs them to be solid with him so <laughs> chris makes it through the first obstacle the ropes fire and devin stands up and says uh he says looking good chris and then and then he thinks again and he's like looking good david uh joe eric kelly everybody <laughs> I about i about died laughing And and I want to ask both of you, Caleb and Peridium, what was maybe a really entertaining moment from this episode that sticks out to both of you?
0: I don't want to steal anyone else's answer, but I think there's a clear standout and it's because Devin's made those two fake idols and clearly the producers played this up majorly, but you can't knock the fact that he made two fake idols precariously placed them so that way they would easily be found and then we got to see him watch lauren find it and see his glee (laughs) and i thought that was so so funny because lauren eventually kind of questioned whether or not the idol was real but i think that she was fully on board when when she first found it she was so excited and then julie had already found hers and that's when she kind of was Feeling a little bit more skeptical, but that initial reaction when she kind of took that stick and knocked it down off of the tree next to the camp, and she was just so excited. It was great to watch Devin's plan actually work and see that they believed in enough that they played those pretty terrible-looking fake idols, and thought that they were real for most of that episode
2: i will say they weren't as authentic as uh, maybe we've seen idols in the past but <laughs> right i thought he did a pretty good True. job with making them um at yeah. the same time yeah you know that's that's sort of one of the most ingenious things i think if you want to put like any 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 feathers in, in devon's hat that might have been like the the ultimate uh, magnum opus of the <laughs> devon's game uh being able to fool uh you know 40 percent of the final five into thinking that they're safe um, by, you know, doubling down on, you know, a strategy that we've seen a lot of other players use like Yao right. Man, uh, Mike Holloway, Bob. um, You know, like that's that's really cool. And I don't think this is... I think it might be the first time we've seen somebody put out two. We saw David do it to Jay at the finale. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've seen anyone do two at once. Um, not only that, but they both got played <laughs> incorrectly. <laughs> and even funnier is that it kind of goes hand in hand with the... With, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but... They implemented in the lower third the um, how many idols people have. Right. And they switched it to one fake <laughs> idol. One fake idol. <laughs> which is such a nice little fun editing touch. Yeah, that's great. That hopefully, you know, I'm fine with that sticking around, especially if, you know, idol paranoia Island of the Idols, Island of the Fake Idols. So <laughs> So and 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 this is this is maybe a
1: first for Survivor, where going into the Final Five Tribal. Uh, That was perhaps the first Tribal Council where everyone at Tribal Council felt completely safe going in, right? Mm -hmm. Because Lauren and Julie had fake idols. They were convinced they were real. They were convinced enough to play them anyways. And Gavin was told by Rick, basically promised, that he would get Rick's extra immunity idol. And Chris had an idol that no one knew even existed except for Devin's. So (laughs) it's crazy, but... Everyone, you know, they had to play their idols since they were going to be null and void after right. the tribal. So so everyone felt like they were safe, yet only one person knew exactly what was going to happen in that tribal. And yeah, that was I will Rick say Debbins. it might
2: not be the first time in the history of Survivor that everyone thought they were safe at the final five. I'm sure that yeah. there might have been times in the past. Um, people were fooled. But, oh, yeah, definitely uh, this was... This was definitely one of the better, as far as final fives go, and it was the final time that a vote could happen in this season. Um, I will say that, yeah, overall, I thought this finale was uh quite a bang for your buck every every minute really was for sure. delivering more better than most like as much as we praised i, I praised uh david versus goliath last season uh, i do so think good. that the finale might have been the lower point just as far as the hmm. excitement level goes in my opinion i know some people might disagree with that but i think that on the other, other than the flip side this finale was uh per beat just it, it kept giving us, like, something more to keep us on our sofa watching. Um, so, I, yeah, I really liked it. And, obviously, you know, uh, partially Devin's gameplay was a huge part of that. So,
0: Now, on Devin's gameplay, during that Final Five Tribal, Devin's had – An unusual amount of influence in that tribal in my opinion because not only did he win individual immunity during the challenge But we all know he chose to play his personal idol for Gavin making him immune And then voluntarily gave the other half of the broken idol that he received from Chris back to Chris So that Chris would have a full-sized idol so Mm -hmm. that he would be immune as well And this was really bizarre to me because he seemed to purposefully allow the two biggest remaining threats in the game to make sure that they were going to the final four and i know that rick Devons had committed to chris that they were going to go to the final four together but were either of you surprised that he didn't back down from that at the last minute
2: part of me was surprised i i don't i would say that probably wasn't the best move in hindsight because looking at like the i was looking at the final six and the final Mm -hmm. five and Honestly, it seemed like with the way that the idols played out, um, all things, you know, considering if, say, Victoria does go at the final six, uh, regardless of whether Lauren plays or I don't, I, right. I'm thinking that it was probably the wrong move for Devins, uh, given that it didn't ultimately work out and Chris mm-hmm. was his downfall at the final four. Yeah, I think that he shouldn't have here, and they probably should have let Chris get voted out at the final five, which would have happened um, if he didn't give that other half back, because then Chris would have been unsafe, and it would have been a major betrayal, um, but mm-hmm. if we're thinking about like what happens next, knowing that Devin's now, he's unless he wins immunity, which he didn't, and I, I don't think, unless, uh, I don't know who wins the immunity challenge, because now Chris has gone at the final four, it sort of creates a cascading effective who knows what mm-hmm. happens next i think that devins probably wins the edge of extinction this season if he doesn't give that idol to chris i think he probably wins it he probably beats mm. uh gavin lauren and julie in fire and i think that he runs away right. with the jury um so all he has to do is make a fire at that point <clears throat> and it's like if he's if you're in rick's position you just have to think <clears throat> knowing that these uh these, these three other players and julie lauren and gavin do I think that I could beat any of them in a fire? Who's my biggest threat at this point? Doesn't really allies aren't as important now at the final right. four, because as long as you can make a fire, you're probably good to go. And that's what we saw Chris utilize as a really effective strategy. And really like probably the biggest move of the season, I would say, was mm. he felt so confident with his fire making, he put it yeah. all on the line. And I think that Devin's kind of he maybe he didn't consider it, but I think that he's ultimately he chose not to go that route, which I think probably cost him Um, The million dollars.
1: I think I agree. I think. You know, obviously hindsight is 2020, 20, right? Course, and you're looking, course. you watch the whole episode and you're like, this guy should have made this move. And at that point though, Devin's is thinking, I've got to make one real connection with one person, mm. you know, and, and, and at this point, his only connection, his only true connection has been David and David's been gone for, you know, forever. So, so he's thinking, okay, if I keep Gavin in my good graces, if I can keep Chris in you know, thinking I'm going to be, I'm going to be true to him. Maybe he'll owe me. He's desperate. He's desperate for a single ally that he knows right. that he can count on, um, to kind of help him through. And cause he does not have confidence in his fire making ability.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that he was so out of allies for so long in the season now that for him, I think a part of it was he wanted a sense of, he was looking for a sense of security and Chris was a right. new avenue to, that was yeah. previously at the final six, you know, proved a little bit of loyalty to him, even though it turned out to be uh, mostly for Chris's benefit and in his best interest, obviously, because he gets an idol out of it, as, as we saw with Devin's uh, at the merge episode with David. It was kind of like almost like going full circle now with Chris um, and, and Devin's on the opposite side of it. Devin's being the David in this case. So, right. yeah, he was looking for an ally he wanted. He heard from Gavin. Gavin was like, yeah, I probably will betray him, which fair enough. And he's like I'm going to give him what he wants now and then I'll take him out at the final four if I can and then uh and then Chris right. clearly had the same mindset um and obviously Julie was against him so yeah, he was looking for an ally, and I think that was what he sort of put a little bit more weight on. He was banking on just getting. He's like, I just gotta get to the final three. Doesn't yeah. Doesn't matter how. And he was hoping mm-hmm. he could bank on their loyalty more than the fire making.
1: Right. Yeah, and I and I think too part of it. I don't think he had enough confidence in himself that he could build fire against anybody. I think I think possibly, and and it's hard to know because we didn't see a lot of camp life. But it's possible that Devons did not make fire a single time. Um, <laughs> I definitely never saw him. Use Using a flint until this episode when he's practicing. But I, I think he knows it's a lost cause. And that's why he goes after Gavin and says, Hey, you know, don't, you know, save me from the fire making challenge.
2: Did you notice the uh, random shots of Lauren getting all the fire hints i don't know if you noticed that through the episodes but there were little subtle clues that lauren was like making fire She said her dad would be proud of her i (laughs) "I wonder if this is indicating that there's gonna be a fire making challenge with lauren didn't work didn't pan out but
0: oh you were wondering if that was the edit
2: well like yeah so i was like maybe there was a theory like you may be right that maybe maybe uh devins didn't Feel so confident enough that if he did have to go to say fire against say Lauren, and then we saw hints of that. Um, yeah, obviously it wasn't, it didn't end up happening because Lauren went at five.
1: That's a pretty deep cut. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? I, I myself didn't notice it, but I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that production would, would set us up for something and then flip the script. Suddenly, yeah,
0: I, I don't know about you guys, but I've never had that happen. It's not like they gave one guy this season more than twice the confessionals of anyone else, and then had him not be the winner. I mean, that definitely didn't happen this season.
2: (laughs) No, no, not even 10 times the amount in some cases.
0: Was this the most slanted season in terms of confessionals since Samoa?
2: Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Because I know Um, Russell
0: back in Samoa got a crazy number of confessionals, and I think everyone was kind of surprised when... You know, according to the edit, he kind of seemed like the winner, and then he didn't win. And I, I personally felt kind of like that this season because going into last night's episode, I really did think that Devins was going to win.
2: Yeah, I did too. Um, people were asking me beforehand, and I'm like, if I put, if you asked me to put money on it, I would put money on Rick. But at the same time. I mean, I would have. I think all, all of us would have been dead wrong. I don't think any of us really could have called Chris no. uh, out of left <laughs> field here. I, I mean, as far as the confessional counts go, I know that Russell had over a hundred, and Natalie had like fifteen or something, which is he just had insane. over one hundred. Yeah, it was at like, I think it was like 108 or something like that. And Natalie was at 15. Um, This is my survivor (laughs) nerd coming out hard. Hey man, that's (laughs) why you're here. Love it. Absolutely love it. As far as discrepancy in editing confessionals go, gosh, yeah. I mean, Russell's is is hands down the worst uh, for somebody who didn't win the season. Um, I'm not sure, you know. It's definitely, I know Devin's had like twice as many as the next person, I think. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that was a large enough gap because I think Julie was number two, surprisingly. She had the second most.
0: Now, in the defensive production, I do think they made the right choice still because Devons, I think, had the best episode-to-episode story for the majority of the season because even though Chris was the winner, if they had just been showing him on the edge of extinction, really just doing the same thing every day, cooking rice, making fire, catching fish, it would have made for a pretty boring season. So I am glad that they did this, even if it is... A little odd in the finale to kind of turn on a on a dime and switch to another front runner player
1: i, I think i think the lesson probably from this season and maybe even from samoa as well is that more than even the storyline necessarily i think production values entertainment and i think that jives especially with this season given the confessionals that we got um from Devons, which were extremely entertaining hilarious at times and uh, a lot of them even ended up giving us the the titles for the episode. So I, I, think, I think that he got the edit that he did because they found him just to be the most entertaining and would have the best chance of giving them the best ratings. Yeah. I don't think it necessarily helps the show that much to give a lopsided um, uh, confessional count to the winner as much as it does help them to just have the the content that they show just be incredibly entertaining.
2: No, exactly. I think that they're ultimately looking for the ratings and I think that mm-hmm. they're going to cast they want the entertaining the most entertaining people that are giving them the most uh whatever it is, you know, drama or uh, running around the island like a crazy madman or creating multiple fake idols. <laughs> um there are a lot of things that that Devin's did that I don't think they even could cut out even if they were trying to, which they wouldn't obviously, but I don't think that the, like he he inserted himself into a lot of things, in, especially toward the latter half of the post-merge that you kind of you need to include, even if you didn't want to. I don't know why right. you wouldn't, but yeah. So him making all these different idols, him finding the idols, winning the immunity challenges, like he was sticking around and he was relishing in that. And also like this has been talked about a little bit on, online is that uh, he's a newscaster and he knows what it's like to be in front of a camera mm-hmm. all the time. And I've talked about this in the past with certain players who do get a lot of screen time. Largely, it's because uh, I talked about this in relation to Celebrity Big Brother, which they started doing recently. And I'm like, one thing that celebrities know about is they know how to be in front of a camera and they know how to sort of say right. what needs to be said and drive a narrative that the average person, like like all of us, like we've, I don't know what that's like. I don't know exactly how to yeah. do that. And so you get somebody like Devins, who is a newscaster, who does go in front of a camera on a daily basis for a living. He's probably been doing it for a while. He knows what it's like he knows how to uh he knows how to talk and smooth the camera a little bit and uh, win when people over if he needs to so definitely and he, he certainly did it with the jury i think he was the runaway winner if he uh could build a little bit of a fire so
0: well and i think we saw that in this episode too because when he and chris were sitting on the beach and chris was saying you know man i'm loyal to you to the end and all this stuff rick basically was like hey i know you got something because you made it back in the game. What did you get? And then at that moment, it shows us a flashback of Chris finding the broken idol in his bag and then we see the whole thing where it proceeds and he gives it to devons at that moment but it's almost like devons was setting up production for that interaction basically giving them all of the story pieces that they need to make him kind of the driver of the narrative just like you were saying
1: that's how you get invited back to survivor by the way is you become a friend to the cameraman the producers to jeff you just be likable entertaining and and just fun to watch so i think he definitely succeeded in that
2: you definitely need to know that it is it is a tv show first it's a game second even though people often type, i like the game more but at the same time we need the cameras we need the editing uh that is ultimately what keeps the show alive and afloat so yeah players like devins will inevitably get bigger edits um more screen time and and they'll probably play larger games in front of the camera because they know how to do it and you know, I say good for him. Like you know, I have nothing mm-hmm. hard, bad to say about uh, about Rick. Um, I think that he will probably be a returning player at some point in the in, in the future. I, I look forward to it. I think that he would uh, he would make for a good two time player, maybe more than that. Maybe he'll get his own uh, island idol, or whatever mass, massive statue one day.
1: He'll <laughs> he'll be a, he'll <laughs> be a coach. Uh, hey. Hey, so uh, you mentioned you have nothing bad to say about Devin's and and I and I don't want to talk about Devin's the entire episode. Oh no, of but not. but let's um, let's say something bad about Devin's now. Okay, um, let's do it. Where 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 do you all think that Devin's went wrong? Where where was it that that you think brought him to the situation that he found himself in this episode?
2: I would, I would say like he, he – I do think he lost the game by giving the idol to, to Chris as we yeah. talked about earlier. I think that was his biggest biggest flaw in his whole game was – it came down to that one move. I think if, if Chris gets voted out the final five, um, we have a final four where I – I we don't know 100% if Devin could could build the fire or not. It's, it's a major what if. It's like how do you measure that? Uh, there's no – strategic acumen there. There's no like we don't have any footage really to, to go. It's like it's sort of random too, a lot of the fire making. It's like who knows if it catches or not. So I don't know, but I do think that Devin's I I would feel confident enough that if you said like pick your winner of that final four without Chris, I would say it's probably Devin's most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I think he lost the game at the final five by trying to connect with Chris more than he needed to, not maybe realizing Or just not caring that Chris was his biggest threat, believe it or not. The guy who had only played Survivor for, I don't know, nine or ten days um, on the main game, at least. Not in the Edge of Extinction, anyway. So that, for me, was his biggest thing. I would say, like... uh, yeah, I wasn't fully on board as far as if want to if want to pile on Devons for half a second. Like there are a <laughs> lot of things that I took grievance with with Devons. Not uh, the the edit was certainly a part of it. I'm not like I've watched so much Survivor that I sometimes I feel too jaded watching the show um, because sure. like I do pay attention to the editing and the confessionals. And I do mm-hmm. pay attention to who's saying what and when and where and why and all that all that good stuff. So. I will say that like there was a little bit of uh, when he became too theatrical, it did feel a little bit like he was schmoozing the cameras too much for my liking. Sometimes I like it when players aren't very good in front of the camera and they sort of find their own voice. They find their footing. For Devin's, a lot of it sometimes felt rehearsed. It almost felt a little too rehearsed for, sure. for my liking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know, it doesn't feel real occasionally, like one too many da 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> It's funny; it creates a character and a sticking point. But at the same time, uh, there were times where I was like, "All right, maybe we can get."
0: Yeah, it was just like a little much.
2: Especially, it doesn't win. Like, not that everyone has to have the most confessionals just to win, but it's nice sometimes when you you evenly distribute the, the airtime to other players.
1: My my kind of take on where Devons went wrong. Um, I'll I'll go a little bit further back here. I I think that when he came back from the edge of extinction. I think he made a critical error in that he failed to create and maintain a solid alliance, right? Mm. He he came back um, almost vindictive and he he gave all the Lesium members, the remaining Lesium members the cold shoulder in a really insulting way. And he and he turned them away and um, alienated almost half the island. At a time when it was most important for him to maintain relationships right if you compare the way Devons came back from the edge of extinction to the way chris came back from the edge of extinction you see a vast difference between the two yeah chris came back i'm just so grateful to be here devins came back i'm so mad you guys voted me off which is an understandable attitude but i think this resulted in him playing from the bottom with uh kama which exposed him As a strategic threat, he was ultimately. I I thoroughly enjoyed watching him play. He made me laugh several times. Um, And I think this almost hurt him as well. I feel like he was, compared to the other survivors, he was almost too likable. And you saw that come out with the very public, you know, actions of the jury members um, during Tribal. You could see them, you know, kind of laughing with Devin's all the survivors can see that, right? They see those jury members reacting to him, just enjoying him, smiling at him. And honestly, that was probably the biggest factor to him being labeled the threat that he was.
0: Absolutely. He, in a way, created his own huge target because... Had he played the game exactly the same, voted exactly the same, won the same number of immunity challenges, but didn't showboat quite as much in front of the jury as early as he did? And, you know, I think the biggest example is basically when he made the big show of exposing Ron's lie before he played his own real idol and all this stuff. The jury this season was particularly vocal, which I think played into this, but he definitely showed his fellow contestants, the ones that were still not on the Edge of Extinction at that point, that I'm in the lead. Look at the jury. See how they're laughing at what I'm saying. See how they're smiling. See how they're rooting for me. They all want me to win. And from that point on, he became public enemy number one. And I do think that was, by and large, by his own work. He was the one that caused that.
2: I think a part of it was circumstantial in that he... He didn't play great starting at the merge. Uh, like you guys said, he he did sort of come out of the gate with probably the wrong mindset. He should have been a little bit more open. Like Chris was open to all everyone he came back to. where Although, to be fair, he didn't know three of them. I don't think he'd ever met uh, Victoria, Gavin, or Julie. But, you know, it is what it is. Whereas Rick came back, he actually didn't know most of the comma guys. So, mm. fair enough. Uh, I think he came back with the wrong mindset. He was too cold. He should have taken what the users were giving them, put it in his back pocket and store it for a rainy day. And right. if, it, if he needs it, take advantage of the information, take advantage of their willingness to come to him um, or, or don't and go with the, with the comma tribe and go with them. And that's sort of what he wanted to do, but he made it too open and public in a game that honestly usually doesn't reward being openly honest about your, how you feel all the time. Um,
1: <laughs> Tell that to Julie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. There you go. I'm I, jumping ship
2: <laughs> talking about Julie. Like here's another, uh, overly emotional, I would say overly cautiously. I don't know if that's the right way or to put it, but she was very emotional. And what happened was we again saw another mother type figure who makes it to the final three and doesn't win. And is a mm-hmm. zero vote getter gets yeah. lambasted or just doesn't get the respect from the jury that, you know, we've we've just seen it again and again and again. And largely, she was her narrative was she was too emotional.
0: It was pretty rough, in my opinion, when she was asked, "What was your big move?" And her yes. example was the. Julia Vodov when she did say the words I'm jumping ship ran across the room (laughs) and and like Rick pointed out He was the one that kind of instigated the entire tribal blowing up like that And she was just some of the fallout in my opinion And I think the jury knew that right from the start for sure that you could see
1: it on their faces they couldn't believe that she brought that up as as a Example of strategic genius, you know, and and here's the thing Julia had other options, right? Um, I mean, she was in trouble during the Aurora vote out, right? She, she felt like she was the number one target, but instead of panicking and acting emotionally, she convinced Lauren to work with her and get Aurora out. And she, during that final tribal, she could have talked about how emotional and panic driven she was during that tribal on episode eight. And how much she grew and became strategic and logical and then used the Aurora vote out as an example of that I think that would have been a far more compelling case for her to have made Mm. instead instead she kind of just became a joke Uh, and and I think I think three at least three of the final tribal members were arguing openly with her about that because it just didn't make sense you could tell Julia was still very bitter
0: about it too (laughs) it was pretty awkward
2: um yeah i think that you know as far as the mother archetype goes uh they usually always like to cast one every season at least one and and julie definitely fit that role and they usually do well but they never do well enough to get the w and you know i think the last time we had her kind of archetype win sarai i think was denise in philippines
0: Mm -hmm. i think that's right but denise was a whole different kind of animal
2: exactly but denise yeah she had a very compelling story and her her behavior, I would say, was not based. She was she was annoyed with Abby, but she displayed a very strong. <laughs> weren't we <a> very, all? <laughs> yeah, right. She and so she was mirroring a lot of what the audience was feeling. But I think that she she contained that level of emotion that a lot of Tim driver does drive out of you. You, you know, you're you're rational. You're uh, you're you're not you're very irritable. You're you're hungry. You're starving. You're cold. Um, and I think Denise took the mother to archetype and downplayed that to a huge extent and maybe even passed a little bit off to uh, Lisa. So maybe it benefited there. Maybe there's actually, there's a lot to analyze in the sense with Julie losing here. Um, believe, it or, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know if this, there's like definitely like for me, there's a video to talk about the archetype of the mother figure and survivor and how they have a long history of doing well, but never well enough. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, interestingly, we saw Tina win as the mother archetype who was the mother hen in uh, survivor australia in the very second season yet right you know, here we are 38 uh, 37 seasons later with julie and um it's a totally different story
1: you can just kind of see almost an evolution of the game from you know the reasons that tina won versus the reasons julie wasn't even given a second look
2: yeah there's a certain level of respect i feel like that you just need to garner and i think I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know what it's like. Uh, I'll never be a mother. um, And I'm not a father. (laughs) So I don't know what it's like to be in that position of the older figure who is working with a younger generation of of jury members. Um, But there is something to containing your emotions and, um, and just sort of earning the respect through. I don't know, being calm and collected. Well,
0: and I think emotional intelligence plays a huge role there. I remember watching one of the first episodes of Survivor Philippines, and Denise was just putting on a clinic in how to deal with other people. And I remember... Russell Swan, the return player on her tribe, was basically just gushing all this personal info to her, and she was just going full therapist on him. "Uh Uh-huh, tell me more about that. And you just kept going and going and going. And she understood him very well very early on, and I think that was a skill that propelled her through the game. And I think it really manifested most clearly at the Final Four when she was able to lean on those personal relationships and get them to vote out. Malcolm instead of her. I thought that was really, really cool. One thing I did want to talk about is I wanted to ask you both straight up because we did have two people that did receive votes in the final tribal council, and it was a nine to four split. Real quick, could you each tell the audience who you would have voted for had you been a jury member and why?
1: During final tribal, there was a comparison being made between survival on the edge of extinction versus survivor on the original island, right? So Chris had been on the edge of extinction for what was it 28 days? Yep, full four weeks. Yeah, and and Gavin had been on the original island that entire time. So Gavin made the argument that he never got a single vote during this time in the game. And, and Devin's also made the point that the stress is much greater in the game than it is on the edge of extinction. And he would know because he was on both. Um, and Chris Chris argued, essentially, that he played the Edge of Extinction to its fullest and played the hand that he was dealt. And you could hear Wardog during <laughs> his only highlight of maybe the last several episodes. He, he stated, the season is not on trial. You are on trial. And obviously, we saw, ultimately, the jury agreed with Chris. So, personally, I would have voted for Gavin. And, really? Um, really? Yeah. I would
0: have thought you would have voted for Chris. <laughs> no you well, i'm glad have. we'll have some conflicts then <laughs>
1: so there was a there was a strange moment actually during final tribal that stuck out to me um and it was while chris was explaining that before the final six tribal he convinced lauren to play her idol for him mm. and he claimed to have used what he called a, a negative reverse sales tactic which he explained is essentially where you act like you're at the mercy of the person who you need to help you right So when Chris first took credit for Lauren's idol play, the look on Lauren's face, if you if you play that back, she looked absolutely incredulous. She was shocked that he would take credit for that. And Ron, in an obvious mocking voice, says, Lauren, how did how did he convince you to do that? And then Lauren says, I know, right? It's sad as if they're making fun of his claim. And then Chris goes on to explain the negative reverse and how it works. And you can see Lauren and Ron's tone instantly change, like almost miraculously. And it didn't make much sense to me. His explanation didn't make much sense. I I didn't buy most of what Chris said during tribal. And here's the thing about Chris. He's a car salesman, right? Like that's, that's what he does for a job. I'm not insulting him. <laughs> mm-hmm. He actually sells sells cars for I a living. I didn't know
2: that, but he does. He, when I when he said that, I was like that sounds he sounds like a sales guy.
1: So, he spent so much time on the edge, edge of extinction in my opinion, all he was doing there was not giving up. Now, he did provide for his tribe there and that counts for something. But I felt like ultimately Gavin was far more deserving. Now, did Gavin play a perfect game? Definitely not. And I think probably his one of his more critical errors was not looking for immunity idols and just sitting back and taking it easy. And that was actually something that was brought up during tribal. And, and, and I don't remember who, but someone asked him, um, you know, why didn't you go after idols? I think it was Devon's and, and Gavin said, well, I was comfortable. You know, I felt good most of that entire season. And, uh, I think that was a pretty weak moment for him. But, um, I think ultimately when Devin's asked, raise your hand, if you did not receive a single vote this season and Gavin was the only person Mm -hmm. who could raise his hand, I think that plus the few strategic moves Gavin made should have won him the game. And I think ultimately part of what won Chris, the game was, he was asked a lot more questions and maybe, maybe that was the edit there. But it seemed like Chris got to talk a lot, and he is a salesman. I I don't I don't hate the decision. I think Chris is a deserving winner. I don't I don't I would probably put him in the top top half of winners. But um, I think Gavin Gavin should have won the game. I would have voted for him.
2: Okay, so yeah, actually, so okay, as the season as the as the final trouble council was going on. I was Luke, I was 50-50 on, on Chris's performance. Uh, I thought that he was doing an okay job. I also, of course, being so heavily noticed of the edit, yeah, he did get a lot of time to explain himself. And I was like, maybe that's because they're trying to justify his win. Hmm. So they want us to see as many of his, his, you know, better answers as possible while downplaying the other two, uh, only showing us Julie, you know, arguing and, and basically why she doesn't get any votes. I, I probably would have voted for Gavin. And a huge part of that, I mean, it's tough because this, unlike any other season, is a season that I don't know how well I could get into the mindset. It's already hard enough to get into the mindset of the jury and who individually they are. And it's like, what would I have done if I was, you know, in their position? I've never been in a position like that in my life. So it's hard for me to exactly right. relate to that. Um, knowing that majority of them were on the edge of extinction, they probably, you know, they felt they felt a sense of camaraderie. They mm-hmm. obviously, if they say, if they rule out Chris, then they're ruling themselves out, which is tough to admit. I think I can't relate to them very well because I don't know what it would have been like to be on the edge of extinction and to go through that sense of invalidating my own presence of starvation and and just existing because edge of extinction That's a fair point. Edge yeah. of extinction was a, the game. It, even though people are a lot of people, I think are gonna discount being on the edge of extinction as not playing survivor. I do think it was playing survivor. It was just playing a very different version of it that we are never used to. And I hopefully never gonna be used to seeing that for the long in the future. I hope it. Is. I'm not looking forward to seeing it come back if it does. I don't think it will. If you ask me, <laughs> I don't me think that. it will. I don't. No. I think it's a one and done. I, I don't think that Jeff was over the moon about the end results. It's tough for me to relate to it. I think that just knowing like Gavin made it all the way to 39. I think he played a very solid game. I don't think he played an amazing flash bang boom big moves type of game. He did make some moves. He did do certain things, but then of course we did see it get undermined. Like he voted out Eric, but that seemed to be more of a war dog thing. So, who gets the credit there? Does Gavin get the credit? If Gavin can right. sell that as his move and get everyone to believe him, which I guess he couldn't, maybe Gavin doesn't deserve to win. The fact that he can go 39 days and lose to Chris, who only was in the main game for 13? Like, what does that say about Gavin to an extent? Obviously, it's that's, that's a little bit results-based thinking as opposed to what actually was Gavin doing on a day-to-day basis? I don't know. I was, real, I was rooting for Gavin mostly because I'm not a huge fan of the twist. And I know that War Dog said, don't, you know, the twist isn't on trial here. Right. Um, But I do think to some extent, Chris showed up with a loaded deck in his hand when he came back at the final six. He had the best read of any jury in the history of the show. Nobody has ever had a better read because he was able to be friends with them and feed them for a whole month. That's insane. That's like, that's, (laughs) it really is. That is such a stacked (laughs) mechanic for a game. That I can't look past that. I also can't look past the fact that he was gifted half an idol. He he did do some moves. I will admit, I think I was rather impressed with a lot of his moves. I think they did a great job at showing Chris uh, maneuvering from the final six onward. And I think that's ultimately why he won, because he was able to be like, oh, he's not Devins, but he did a lot with the time that he had. I just am not sure how much of that was, in my opinion, it was because of Edge of Extinction and not necessarily like the game of survivor that i've come to know and love uh, i i can't i don't know i just don't vouch for the twist itself or the mechanics that enabled chris to pull off the incredibly impressive final 6 final 5 final 4 things that he did i think w- giving up the immunity necklace at the final 4 was definitely really cool there's actually yeah. an article uh, i think it's from Dalton Ross in the preseason where chris talks about this he says if i was in that dominic's position and i had won the final immunity i would have gone And and gone against Wendell. He's like, you gotta go all in. And I was like, that's really fascinating because I wondered, I was like, how much of Chris coming back from the Edge of Extinction was, how much of his gameplay was fueled by being on the Edge of Extinction for a month versus a Gavin who didn't come back was allowed mm. to play a little bit more of a subtle, subdued game for 35 days. That's what gets people to the end of Survivor, and a lot of times gets them the W in Survivor. Chris came back playing a radically different version of it. He had mm. a lot of momentum from the Edge of Extinction. He had all the reads from the jury. He had a ton of inside information that he shouldn't have had because, of the, because normally there's no way he knows probably that Lauren has an idol. He doesn't know that Victoria is a huge threat like nobody else did. So... I don't know. I, am weighing a lot of these different things. I ultimately come down to, I probably would have voted for Gavin, but. Well, I,
1: I think it's something we've talked about too on, on this show. And that is how much uh, we, we, I think we were talking about Devin specifically Um, how much Devin's had changed from when he, before the edge of extinction to after the edge of extinction his game was completely different. And it's that same advantage that you get if you're a returning player, right? The returning player got voted off at some point and learned a lot from that experience. Right. And I think, I think you, you saw Chris being on the edge of Extinction for that long gave him the time to process his being voted, voted out. And, and honestly, he probably didn't have a lot else to think about during the, that entire four weeks, but you know, what happened, what could I have done better and what could I do if I got back into the game? So I have one more question. Oh, this okay. is the last, question. Can I last, share last, who last I would have
0: voted for, Ben?
1: No. No, no.
0: <laughs> You're going to vote for Julie, right? <laughs> I would have voted for Julie. Thank you okay. for knowing I knew so it. well. I knew it. <laughs> so I guess I'm the odd man out because I really do think that Chris earned it, and I'm glad that I got to hear both of your cases for Gavin so now I can systematically take them down and you guys can't <laughs> respond. So to me... Chris really threw my own words in my face because just last week, Ben, you and I discussed whether any Edge of Extinction return player had a prayer. We went over the people who we thought were most likely to come back into the game, and we basically said they don't have enough time to build a resume that is sufficient. And I think what we underestimated was that there were three full tribals, and I think the real kicker was that Chris was willing to risk it all. Now, I do completely agree that he did have a loaded deck coming back in because he understood each of the jurors' viewpoints on who they were liking and who they didn't like. Case in point, you go back to when Chris was initially voted out, and he went and joined Reem and Keith on the Edge of Extinction, and they were so angry at him at that point in time. And we went from that to this Fire making challenge where Reem is going, come on, Chris, you can do it. And she was rooting for him. And what a complete 180 that probably wouldn't have happened if Chris hadn't spent four weeks out on the edge with Reem. Now, the reason why I don't penalize him for having that loaded deck is because he didn't just take the loaded deck... And then make the easy systematic moves he was willing to take the big risks with that of course the fire making challenge being the chief of them because he understood if Devons makes it in even if i'm here i'm going to lose he understood that because of the knowledge that he had and apparently it does sound like he was kind of predisposed to this idea anyway but to him it was a binary choice do i trust it to gavin and julie or do i take this skill that i'm now very very good at from my time on the edge probably making fire every single day that whole time. And yeah. He got very, very good at it and then brought that skill in, believed in himself, and then got the win because of it. So I do think that he did deserve it. Probably the quickest resume building that I've ever seen in Survivor. He went from really having nothing <laughs> to having a couple good social moves. Convincing Lauren and Rick to give him immunity idol protection for really no reason was impressive to me.
2: What Chris needed to do coming back in at the final six with so little time to really make anything happen he had to play as optimally as he possibly could. And I think he had a lot of time to figure out what he needed to do to make that happen. And I think he executed on it almost pretty flawlessly uh, considering the circumstances that he was put in where he can't obviously predict who's going to win immunity and whatnot and who's going to find the idols or how many idols are going to be. Yeah, or how certain people are going to react. He played, I would think, from what we saw anyway, I think he played a very optimal game for somebody who was put in a position that he was in, which is why... at at the end of the day I do ultimately I'm like you know what it's fine like I think he played right. he played such a unique version of survivor that is unlike any of the 37 seasons before it and I think he also represents this season in a very different I think he represents it really really well as far as what the season was potent what it was capable of the twist was capable mm-hmm. of giving us uh Chris he he was on the edge of extinction for 66% of the time he was in the game, um, in the first eight days, I went back and rewatched those uh, just, just earlier today, and there's really not a lot to talk about there, like I said, his, his game, his story, really didn't kick off until he showed up at the Edge of Extinction, before that, he was just sort of playing regular standard survivor, he would have been a forgettable third boot that we see all the time in every other season, who just sort of shows up, gets blindsided by his ally, and it's like, there was the generic dude who just happened to go out third by accident. We've seen that before.
1: And and speaking of the generic third boot, are we all excited to see his reprisal in season forty?
2: <laughs> I know, I thought that too. I was like, if this is if this is the thing, you know, what if he comes back? And uh, <laughs> honestly, honestly, though, I think that if if the rumors do prove to be true and we do get an all winter season, which I think we'll probably have confirmed to us in in the next week or two, um, I, I think that he if he is on the cast, which honestly I don't think he would be. I don't think that Jeff is gonna want him back. I don't know if he's if he did enough for him maybe he did. I would say that he might have the best chance of winning just based on the fact that he has such little gameplay to read off of nobody has any idea who the heck the guy, like who who is who is Chris like he yeah. he did play a great five days at the end. <laughs> but the thing is like majority of the edge of extinction is gameplay but we really didn't see a lot of it. In fact, there were some episodes where we didn't see any of it. So mm-hmm. I know that even though he did play the game and managing the players on the Edge of Extinction is definitely a part of the game, I don't have a lot to go back to. There's not a lot of bullet points I can call from. And so like, this is Chris's game for majority of the season. It's really like a season with, Numerous storylines and I think the finale was its own little season of Survivor and like a micro, it was This is own little rapid-fire season of Survivor where one dude shows up out of the blue and just meteor crashes and blitzes the, the final six onward That's what it what's what we got it was really fun to watch because he played optimally every step of the way But I'm just like man It would've been so cool to see him come back at like the merge maybe two people come back He comes back with Rick or something like an outcast from Pearl Islands with Lil and Burton. He looked like Burton. He could have been the, re, the next Burton for <laughs> all we know. Maybe this is yeah. Burton's uh, Phoenix story coming back, you know, 30 seasons later and winning Survivor finally. Yeah. It'll be cool to see what Chris, and maybe we'll get that on season 40, what Chris is capable of pulling out. Because he's clearly a very competent player. He can take a loaded deck that is full of aces and he can do the utmost, like the most brutal stuff with that. And it's exciting to watch. I was excited to watch it for that one episode we saw last night. I'm just curious to know, like what could he do with more time if he had a full season ahead of him. Well so.
0: more time and less information because and less information, he's not yeah. gonna ever get that much information again. I because know, yeah. I remember back when Kelly got voted out, she walked up on the edge and literally was just like, I have an idol in my pocket. Lauren has one too, and just kind of, you know, word vomited <laughs> all of this information out. So he just
2: I was I was glad that, that Kelly brought that up at the final show. She just laughed and she's just like, I'm so sorry. Like you know, it's just <laughs> word vomit happens. Yeah. Like yeah, and that's a part of Chris. Like he used that to his best to his advantage and And uh, they showed, like, Chris when she does that. They panned to Chris right away. And I was like, huh, interesting.
0: Yeah, well, and what was really cool about that, too, is... Knowing that and using it to your advantage is, I think, fairly unique. Lots of people find out about idols all the time, and it doesn't work out in their favor, generally speaking. And he was able to go to Lauren and basically prey on the fact that she felt like she didn't have any big moves, and she got big move fever. It did something really silly because of it, and she could have waited one more tribal to play that correctly for herself, and then she would probably be sitting in the final three because, or, I mean, she would have at least had a fighting chance for it. One thing on Gavin that I did think in his tribal performance it was a mistake was that he said that the edge of extinction days weren't really playing the game which of course everyone on the jury super oh, yeah. disagreed with. Super everyone fantastic. was firmly I would against disagree with him.
2: too. Yeah, I would disagree too.
0: Yeah, and here's the thing, I get where he's coming from, but just in terms of reading the room, I thought that was one of his biggest mistakes.
2: That was a really bad, that was a bad take. Yeah, not a good not a good take when your jury is full of people who were uh, sitting Read the, on the room. edge of extinction. Yeah, exactly. It's a good, like, and that's a good point against Gavin. If you're going to talk about like deservingness and who, who like, should he have gotten more votes? A part of winning the game is, you know, pandering to the jury and uh, you got it. You got to showboat. You got to, you got to speak their language. And in some cases, in this case, there was one through line with all of them, except for uh, maybe Victoria and Lauren. It was, you, you got, they were at the edge of extinction and you got to give them some props for what they did. And I think we saw Gavin, not do that and maybe they were less inclined to uh if they're on the fence as we saw a lot of them raise their hands and we like we're live this is i was like oh this is exciting we have a live especially considering chris is this unknown we have a live final travel council that rarely i think happens in survivor yeah
0: okay so now i have some rapid fire questions i want to throw at you uh peridium because i want to know first off what are your thoughts on the theme for next season with Boston rob and sandra coming back as kind of survivor coaches
2: Uh, I think it's the best theme they've ever thought up in 39 seasons. No. (laughs) I was like, wait, wait, what? (laughs) Hot take. Uh yeah you know I I yeah, God I would love to know the I'm always curious now that we're in the theme we're in the thematic era of Survivor where they just have to have themes every mm-hmm. season so I'm always curious to you know like what's the next crazy theme and how much damage is it gonna do <laughs> well, how much crazier is it gonna <laughs> is it gonna abstract the game of Survivor until the point where it breaks uh, maybe that maybe we've already broken it maybe this is us all right, ushering in Boston Rob and Sanders to start fixing and picking up the pieces. Of the fact that we had Chris winning all of a sudden out of the blue, and it's like none of being in my family. Like, who the hell is Chris? My sister's watching. She's like, Chris. Wait, what? I'm like, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, this is it. This is the survivor now. But I think that the theme is uh, is a big question mark. Really, I don't know how it's going to work. I love to know the intric- intricacies of of this island of idols. I like I like at least that it's not maybe literally idols. It's just Rob and Sandra. Thank you know, goodness. They are yeah. the idols. Yeah, thank goodness. I'm like, I don't know if I could stomach. You don't want Ghost Styling too? No. No, I'm all right. Not a big know. fan? I'll say in the history of my channel, the one of the, the first video I ever had blocked was my Ghost Island review video. Oh, really? Um, so <laughs> I don't know if I need that again in my life. It was a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of ranting that ultimately didn't pan out.
0: CBS put the kibosh on that.
2: They did, and I'm hoping that they don't do it for this Edge of Extinction review video. That's my biggest fear. Now I'm sitting here for the next week, and it's all for nothing. I hope they know <laughs> that the people who
0: really are going to frequent your channel are people like Ben and I, who all have the CBS All Access subscriptions, <laughs> so that way we can just binge.
2: I try and do my best to cater to them a little because I'm like if they are watching, which they probably aren't, they just see it and they're like, eh, forget it. Um, I think I try to drive them. I said, go to CBS All Access, like it's worth it. I have a subscription. It's like, give them money. I don't know. Like, what do you want me to do? I'm trying to just talk about Survivor for fun. I yeah. really
0: do think it drives more views to it as opposed to taking it away. It's not like people are watching your channel and they don't watch a show.
2: Uh, yeah, as far as the Island of Idols idol goes, I don't know. It's okay. I, I I've sort of been like, I'm okay with whatever they do at this point. There's been so many types of themes that are so crazy, and I think that Edge of Extinction is the craziest. So, I don't know. I've, I've been through a lot of Survivor in my time as watching this show. Um, I've seen them be so unoriginal as to name a season in the South Pacific. <laughs> like, that is literally the most nondescript thing you could ever think of.
1: Yet, yet a wonderful season.
2: Right. So I've been through the naming and the crazy themes. I remember the first time they said blood versus water. And everyone in the audience was like, what the? Yeah, anyway, so I, I, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I am cautiously optimistic, just like I was with this season.
0: I'm always a fan of more Survivor, even if it's not, you know, the best season ever. You know, every once in a while, even if we have to go through a couple ghost islands and stuff to get to a David versus Goliath, I'm all in. I'm totally game for that. So on the discussion of themes, because these two different theme seasons I do think are similar in nature, they both have their nuances. Do you prefer Redemption Island to the Edge of Extinction?
2: Oh, wow. Pick your poison. This is like, ooh. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And you may also pick the third option of the blood versus water Redemption Island because I think that added a whole nother layer of strategy
2: there that maybe wasn't there before. So would that be where half the cast is, is they're all related to each other, you mean? Like the 20 versus 10 versus 10 on both sides? I mean, I don't know. Uh, If I had to go like Redemption Island versus Edge of Extinction... Um, I would probably pick Redemption Island. I cannot believe I just said that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You did it, Caleb. That was our, that was our whole point of inviting you here. What's to get you to (laughs) say that? Yeah,
2: seriously, that's the first time in the history I think I've ever said I would prefer Redemption Island. (laughs) I can't think of a single instance where I've ever thought, had that thought crossed my mind. So there you go. Yeah, I would take Redemption. I just think that having at least Redemption Island is a bit of more of an outplay element where you have to win something. There's some skill involved. I think that I was reading some of the uh, post-season interviews and like Rick talked about the difference and he said, you know, Edge of Extinction, you could sit and nap for four hours and just do nothing. And if you wake up and you're like, cool, I'm still on Survivor. And it's like, <laughs> you could never do that in regular, like on the main Island. Um, And I'm just like, at least in Redemption Island, you were only there for a short time and you kind of had to prove a little bit that you could, you know, do something to survive to make it to the finale and possibly win. You know, I don't know. I think there's a little bit more to it. I don't think there's a lot more to it, but I think there's more to it than Edge of Extinction, which was just a giant uh, lobby for people that got voted out, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. Ben, do you have any other questions or thoughts?
1: uh no i just i i want to uh take a second and thank peridium for joining us it was uh awesome to have your take on some of these things that we talk about it's it's really fun to have an additional person also to bounce bounce ideas off of and
0: now uh peridium where can everyone find you talk about your youtube channel and your twitter for a minute
2: they can find me holed up in my uh, office room. <laughs> Hoping CBS <laughs> doesn't take my videos down. They, uh, yeah, they'll find me. You can find me on Twitter. My name on Twitter is actually my real name. Apparently, the actual name, Peridium, is taken, surprisingly. Um, but you can find me on Twitter, at, at, at Billy Geis. That's my real name. Uh, you can search for Peridium, too, and you'll find my handle. Or on YouTube, uh, search for Peridium, again, and you'll find it. Um, it's P-E-R-I-D-I. AM.
0: Is it also fair to say that if they search survivor top five or survivor top 10 or survivor top 20 part one or part three, they will also find your videos.
2: Mine are always the ones with the funny artistically, like they're not like the screenshot of the episode. It's more like something random, like a random player with big, bold YouTube text.
0: Well, like Ben said, we really appreciate you coming on. And I think this really um, is going to be the last
2: podcast for at least a little bit for us. Thank you guys so much for having me too, by the way. I just want to say that. Oh, of course, man.
0: (laughs) No problem. Anytime, anytime. Okay. So, Ben, I really appreciated doing this season with you, and it was a blast. You guys can reach out to us at TribalTalkPod at Gmail or on Twitter or on Facebook, and we'd love to hear from you. Other than that, we will catch you next time.